Hello, this is Product Tuesdays. Welcome. If you're involved in the product development life cycle, Product Tuesdays is a right community for you. Join professionals such as product managers, product designers, data analysts, software developers, growth managers, product marketers, and others that are involved in the product development process. Follow us on our social media pages at Product Tuesdays and click the link in the bio to learn. A beautiful Tuesday again, and I'd like to welcome you to Product Tuesdays. Um, I believe you added our speakers already, and all right, so for everyone listening to us right now, Product Tuesdays is a growing community of professionals that are involved in the product development process. So these are product managers, designers, data analysts, data scientists, growth managers, product marketers, operations managers, software developers, product strategists, UX designers and researchers, and, you know, the, the list is endless basically. so if you're involved in one way or the other in the entire product development life cycle then please click the link in the bio at product tuesdays and join the community so you can go to the page right now to the twitter page right now and then click on your at product tuesdays you can also find product tuesdays as well on other social media platforms at product tuesdays all right so great to have everyone here today um today we have amazing speakers that will be sharing with us their career journey as well as providing some insights on how data drives product development so shout out to my co-host today Emmanuel Ogunshola, <laughs> the product lead at old school africa i am tobituko tokere um i'm your host for today um i've had short stints with reddington zane lab as a data analyst after which i joined board pandas as the data scientist so currently i work as a data protection officer for Dutchess international hospital you know while at the same time i'm transitioning into the product space okay cool so before i introduce our speakers for today i would like each person listening to us right now to tweet and share this space please don't forget to use the hashtag product tuesdays um whatever device you're listening on just go to add product tuesdays on twitter hit the follow button to get updates on our upcoming events okay great by way of welcoming our speakers let me introduce Wale Oyekomi. So Wale is based in Ontario, Canada. Wale is a senior data scientist at Sandwave. Over the last four years, Wale has worked in fintech space, building data-centric systems alongside development. Wale has worked with the likes of Ayla, Bento, Rebe Finance, Brickstone Africa, and Wale currently works with Sandwave. So when Wale is not making sense of data or its importance to the customer and business goals, Wale loves exploring new places and experiences, is also passionate about helping people in their career journey as a data scientist. So Wally, I welcome to Product Tuesdays and we are so glad to have you on this space. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> that, was, that was a good introduction. Thanks, Tony. You're welcome, Wally. So our next speaker, <laughs> Abisoye Falabi. Fun fact, Abisoye, Emmanuel Gonshala and myself used to be in the same class in secondary school, Baptist Academy. For me, I don't know about the experiences, but it's really, you know, terrible times if I'm being... <laughs> If I'm being honest. <laughs> but moving on, our speaker Abisoye is a product leader and course author. Abisoye has helped build products and systems in various industries such as fintech, HR, and e-commerce industry. He has built product, products for the likes of Patricia Technologies, Trade Depot, Omnibase, VConnect, and Talentbase, and even the list goes on and on. So when Abisoye is not building products, he is a course author on plural sites. Abisa is also an advocate of community-driven initiatives geared towards the good news of crypto. Yeah. So, thank God. Let's just put it that way. So, welcome to Product Tuesdays, Abisa. Glad to have you with us today. 
Thank you very much, Toby. I think uh, we are still missing a soundtrack or an instrumental <laughs> for the beginning of the show. I just need to point that out. Uh, for the next version, there will be a soundtrack for the show. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. I have one good evening, everyone. So, uh, before I bring our speakers up to share their career journey or journeys with us, I'd like each person listening to us right now to tweet and share the space. Please do not forget to use the hashtag Product users. So, whatever device you're listening on, go to our Product users on Twitter and hit the follow button to get updates on our upcoming events. Okay, so I'm going to hand over the mic to Wally now to share his career journey in 10 to 12 minutes. So, Wally, over to you. Yeah, thanks, Toby. In 12, 10 to 12 minutes, well, that's, that's a, I mean, that's assuming I have a long career. I actually don't have a <laughs> short career. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, I have one. Um, it's good to be here. Um, I, I would say, so I'll probably like to recount my career, I mean, thus far. Um, so I studied, I mean, I studied business in school, right, in in, in lag, um, but I felt like I've, I'd, I'd always be someone who was super curious and interested in technology. And I mean, even while I was back in school, I was super, you know, into tech and the ecosystem and stuff like that. Um, so I mean, when I graduated, I you know I got into finance. So I worked in finance in in Lagos. Um, and I had like the finance track, right? So I was, I mean, typically the finance track is, you know, work in a finance firm, take the, the pay, you know, level one, level two, level three, or I don't know, even more accounting and oriented, you take the ACCA. Um, and then like, that's sort of like the track that you take. Um, and I was also like on that track until, um, until I think, and I was, you know, actually studying for the CFA. You know, uh, once I kind of like, I don't know, I just took it and I took, I'll call it like a rain check. And I figured that, you know, I needed to be more involved in what I was more interested in. Right. And that kind of like now started my, like my pivot away from finance and more into tech and, and data. Um, so that's, this, that's kind of like how my pivot started. So I, I um then I started like self study and all of that stuff. But oh, something funny that I did, I um from my from my job back in finance, I took like a pay cut just to <laughs> to to join like a tech firm because I wanted to work in tech and I just wanted to you know I I wanted to have like my first job in tech and I took a pay cut and then I started working at my first very first tech um company that I worked at and it's sort of like being journey since then and I think my the reason why I was more focused in like I said I chose the data I was more focused in it was um I was also like I also I liked numbers right considering like my background in finance um and I I figured that the best place to be while you know while you have a lot of numbers and you know in tech is data and does sort of like how I started um going deeper in like in, in that vertical. And yeah, and then I got my first job, my second job, but you know, the rest of the history. So that's kind of like the longest shot of my journey um, so far. Um, and, and yeah, um, and I think, and I think um, to where I am right now. 
So yeah, um, that's, that's that's my journey. <laughs> okay, I, I guess we we made the bold assumption that you do ten to twelve minutes. <laughs> well, like you said, uh, it was short. So thank you so much, Oli. Um, before I hand over to Falabi, um, I just want to repeat this again that for everyone listening to us right now, Product Tuesdays is a growing community of professionals that are involved in product development process. So we have product managers, designers, data analysts, data scientists, growth managers, product marketers, operations managers. In fact, manager plenty for you, but you know, you get the gist. The list goes on and on, right? So if you're involved in any way um, or you're in the product development life cycle, then click the link in the bio at product tuesdays and join the community you can also go to the twitter page at product tuesdays and click that link in the bio uh other social media platforms as well you can find us at product tuesdays okay so over to you abisoye to share your career journey in the same time frame okay thank you very much uh just want to mention i'm, I'm experimenting with the, the voice transformers on uh, on twitter so I'm trying to like just experiment. Okay, yeah, so my prayer journey, prayer journey so far, uh, running quantities of age, specialty in construction management. Uh, but before then, um, I've been doing some crazy stuff. Uh, I them. Um, uh, how would I put it? I, as a what's it called experiments or things i was trying out um way back in school i don't know if the echo is still there is the echo still okay so i was um trying out a bunch of things i i stumbled into ethical hacking um while in secondary school then transferred that into university bumped down with a few routers um using device transfer and dvcs um internet access uh, while in school. Um, then from there, after a couple of um, months in school, I started writing software. Um, one of the early C++ developers way back then uh, made some contributions to the DirectX driver, um, DirectX driver, and also um, one of the adapters that was used for converting or having PHP run on Windows Server um, way back when they first launched. Um, this was 20, 2009, 2010, 2011. Um, from there, um, I decided that while in school, while having my undergraduate program, I would also be doing software development on the side by myself. Um, I, I stumbled upon a major project while as an undergraduate. And from there, that really gave me the morale to um, really spend more time writing code. Um, I usually tell people <laughs> money was my own motivation. Um, initially, the love of um, writing software was the motivation for me at some point. But then again, money was the motivation. Uh, I think I got my first million check while in university. So I don't think there was any other motivation that I needed at that point in time in my life. 
So um, I was fortunate to finish school. And from there, I have never really used my certificate, though I was a resident QS. Uh, I still have a bunch of projects that I did, General Hospital, General Hospital Garimpa, the back of economical center down to area eight, the entire infrastructure there to the bridges, to the underpass, to the Grand Passageway, um, to the infrastructure, everything. Um, I was resident QS there. I was also responsible for Sunrise Estates, luxurious um, of estates then in Abuja, and a bunch of other projects. Um, but I left all of that and decided to go into tech. Um, since I was writing software, um, I was made to, due to peer pressure, I was made to abandon a programming language and focused into .NET. Um, I wrote a bunch of softwares here and there, um, up until enterprise uh, that cuts across some banks um, that have presence in 15 African countries or thereabouts um, across Africa. And a few projects um, in the Arabs and also in the Emirates and thereabouts. Before uh, one particular project really opened my eyes to a gap, we had a PM that was on a project that really required lots of technical understanding and the scoping, the the details and all of the requirements for the project that was captured in the uh, what's it called in the PRD and stuff was wasn't just wasn't just making sense and sort of mismatch and uh, the client was one quote unquote messing us up and then I was like okay what's the big deal in this um, thing that is being required. So I resigned from that job and then started out learning everything that has to do with being a project manager, being a product manager, and things like that. Uh, from then, the story goes on and on from, from one rolling out one product to another, from ride hailing, ride sharing, um, everything, doing the business process end to end. Um, from the part of managing drivers to managing customers to the business side, to the operation side, to the finance side, creating business processes for that end-to-end, and also managing the devs or one way or another doing a bunch of things. Um, right from there to other projects as well, other products, bids from uh, marketplace, to V-Connect, to Ominibis, um, to Trade Depot, to, um, what's it called, uh, to Patricia, to some other blockchain um, with three projects, Jalop Swap, uh, and a bunch of other projects as the case might be. Um, also, just to mention, um, because I wrote Enterprise Software and Thesis, allowed that to die. Um, so once two times or whenever I'm opportuned, I jump onto conversations to talk about um, enterprise architecture. 
uh, because I did a bunch of tracks in that regard. I did writing research papers or normal professional papers with a bunch of professors and some researchers across the globe. Um, submitted or published two, two um, research papers uh, in some academic journals and some international conferences. I think I should be there about. And um, also taking part in topograph enterprise, uh, enterprise architectural planning and all sorts and things of that nature. So I'm still switching between being a tech person, being a technical person and switching to being a PM um, once in a while. So I tend to have developers trying to bamboozle me and I behave as if I don't know. And then um, after they've played all the games later on, begin to ask some questions at the end of the day. Um, so yes, so that's just my uh, journey. I hope I've not spent up to 12 minutes. Thank you. Well, amazing, 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 amazing. Wow. All right. So before we move on, if you're a software advice space, uh, you don't know the next steps you should take. If you feel stuck, Pipeline by TalentQL is positioned to help you upskill for that next amazing job offer. So head on to pipeline.talentql.com to learn more. All right. So, um, I think this is a point where we start taking, we start asking some questions um, before we then, you know, open the floor to the audience to also ask their questions. So I will begin with Wally, actually. <clears throat> okay, so um, Wally, are you here? Just to confirm. Yep, I'm here. Okay, cool. So uh, my first question to you would be, you know, there's been a shift in the way product management is being done with very huge emphasis on, on data, you know. So um, by your definition, I think it means for data-driven. Okay. Um, let me see. So I feel like this question is more suited for a product person, but I mean, I think from my point of view, I'll yeah. see. Um, and also, um, I mean, from what, you know, from the conversation we had already, from what Abisoya said about, like, product people and developers, right? There's that thing where product people want something um, based on, I guess, their whips and caprices, uh, or based on how they feel. Um, and, you know, it has to, and then it has to translate it to a product. And, you know, the developers or, you know, data people are not on the same they're not the same wavelength with the product people. So, um, but I agree with what you said, right? Like there is this, I don't know if I'll call it a shift. I feel like there is the, the there is now the need for not just product, but like companies and like companies and institutions to be more sort of like data driven. Um, yeah. And I think the need for that is, is more, I mean, it's, it's going with the times, right? Like everyone is, there's, that petabytes of data be generated daily, um, and there is a need for it to use that data. Um, so I think I think that shit is. I mean, it's happened. It's happening already, and it's happened already. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and but you know, to your question, uh, what does it mean for a product to be data driven? Um, I'm thinking of it. In, I'm thinking of it in different ways. So first, I would say um, from a data person thinking about a product. Um, um, first, I would say a typical PM who is data driven would 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 be more sort of like experiment. You know, there'll be like an experimentational culture. Um, so from my experience, when you're thinking about a product and you're thinking about um, data, you're thinking about, okay, what are the core metrics for this product? Um, how, um, what are the core metrics and how is this product scaling, right? So you're, you're thinking, yeah, but you're also thinking, um, if this product doesn't scale properly, how do we introduce, like, for example, a new feature? But then how do you make that decision, right, if you're not sort of like experimenting and testing, right? or you know, trying to release a new feature, how do you make a decision without even looking at the data? Um, so there is probably, there's always a need for experimentation, right? So there's something there's something I say, which is like test early and pivot quickly, right? So typically you want to test, right? You want to test, or for example, two different features, or um, and then if, if you're testing, right, you need to, depending on your results, right, is it that you deploy quickly or pivot, right? Um, and yeah, so that's, that's the first thing I would think about when I'm thinking about like our companies are trying to be more data driven. Another thing I would say is, um, democratization of data, right? Which is, which is basically making data available, right? Um, so typically in, in a lot of companies, data is sitting with maybe two people, right? Um, maybe the head of data and then the CEO, right? They're the only ones that know what's happening with the product, but I feel like that should be more, I mean, everyone in the company should know what the company is doing, right? Everyone in the company should know, well, what are the key metrics for this quarter? What are the key, what's the company going for this, for this period, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so, so from what I've said, you now it's not really product driven again, it's now more like a company driven. So it has to be a culture where everyone is thinking what's the right, what's the right bit of data, what's the right bit of metric for us to and what's the right direction for the, that the company is going to? So the OKRs drive the KPIs, and then it drives like what, um, how the where the company is going. So yeah, I mean that's those are like one or two things. Like, that's I think that like um, we can that companies can shift towards more being more data driven. Oh, that that makes sense. You know, one thing that you said uh, that stood out for me was experimentation. Which um, I have a follow up question for that, but maybe. I'll give um, Falabi like a chance to expand on you know this particular question if he has anything to say. So, um, Falabi, do you have something to say? Yeah. To... yeah. So can you just take the question again? I was I was already lost in thought. It's fine. Okay. So I, w- I was saying there's been a shift in the way product management is being done, with like huge emphasis on data. So mm-hmm. what does it mean for a product to be data driven? Yeah, um, so every single day, um, should I say that question most likely comes comes up uh, most certainly in conversations around products. Uh, from my own point of view, um, I feel it's more of to break it down locally it would be a case of you fighting um, or driven developments 
organ-driven development, customer-driven uh, development versus data-driven development, if I'm to localize it, right? Um, so how do you make data-driven development be prioritized? It's, it, it's, it's not simple, depending on the environment where you find yourself, but however, it has to do with interpreting the data. Everybody can have access to the data. Um, everybody could even see the numbers. So let's say, for example, everybody could see a decline in the number of transactions that are taking place. Let's use a fintech product that's maybe buying and selling or transfer or whatever it is. Um, everybody can see what is happening like this numbers are going down, like, and all of that. But not everybody is usually interested in knowing why it is so, like drilling down to understand why it is so, and being able to tell a story about what is really happening. And I think that is when someone can say that, yes, they are really pushing the organization um, to be more of um, data-driven um, in any of their approaches or whatever they want to do. Um, because I've seen this happen on several occasions um, on a weekly basis or thereabouts. The data team, um, in my own preference, I usually prefer the data team to be embedded into the product team. Um, when the team is releasing numbers for the week, everybody hears it or thereabouts. I've seen this happen over and over again. They were like, oh, we need to spend more money on marketing to increase the number of people who are signing in, um, to increase the number of people who are signing up to the app, for us to be able to increase our transaction, our number of transactions and all of that and stuff. All of that sounded quite good and stuff, but it took time to like drill down to really understand, okay, what is really causing this? Is it because of transaction fee or transaction fee was quite different or whatever it is? In some cases, um, what's it called? In this particular instance I was referring to, it had to do with delivery time in terms of transferring money from account A to account B how long does it take for the money to get to account B? So customers were seeing that transfer was taking time uh, between across two different accounts, and it wasn't something they were interested in waiting for. They wanted their money as quickly as possible. Some transactions that are taking more than two hours, we have some transactions that were even pending that already exceeded 12 hours, right? So that was causing a drop in all of that. But yes, Data was really very important, but drilling down uh, was quite very, very important as well. Using data, using metrics, or uh, using analytics tools, or whatever it is, um, as the case may be. So yes, um, I support the overdrive of having data-driven as against organ-driven development or um, customer who is paying driven development in some cases. One one key technology I'm taking away from from what you said is organ driven development. <laughs> Can't get to <Yeah>. it. <laughs> okay. Um, 
So my next question will be um, directed to you, Falabi. You know, so um, going back to what Wally said on experimentation, yeah. So part of the data-driven product strategies we see today involves like a lot of experimentation. So how often do you make decisions based on your experiments, and you know, do you have like frameworks you apply in carrying out those experiments? Okay. Um, so to be honest, right? Um, what frameworks do I use? I do not really say I use frameworks. I go more with looking at things critically from our is and then. Um, trying as much as possible to check out one or two variables. Um, I, I wouldn't say I'm a framework kind of person, but when I explain some certain things, um, I get to see that they, they apply to a certain framework. But the, the foundation, or should I say the key points are there about my kind of slightly different, depending on the product and the industry uh, that we're in and what we're trying to achieve. Um, for experimentation, I would always go with the route of trying something with a sample size, uh, with a small sample size, then increasing that, and then as time goes on, um, after getting lots of feedback, lots, lots of reiterations and the likes, before pushing um, things forward. But however, it usually goes with data. Um, before even carrying out the hypothesis, like or even sending out the survey, or even trying to work based on hypothesis, it always emanates from um, what's it called? It always emanates from a, a, a should I say a feedback or a discovery or typically trying to make life easier or trying to make processes easier for the customer or for the business. Um, I know it, it might sound like, what was this dude saying or there about, but uh, I typically don't go with intuition. I don't go with vibes and inshallah. Um, vibes and inshallah freak is, is all good, uh, but however, um, it, it's also, in some cases, very wasteful and not customer-centric. So having conversations with customers, listening to what, what and what they want. Like, so take, for example, understanding why the customer is even, like, what value does the customer see in the product would make me want to think and have something on the backlog trying to improve on whatever we have. And even trying that with a few customers or potential customers or thereabouts in order to start saying, okay, we did this experiment, we carried out these experiments, this was the feedback, this was not uh, this was not accepted or thereabouts. Because what's the outcome for me for every exper experiment that needs to be done is if you're trying out five, six things, at least two or three of it needs to come back with feedback that is not really positive, but should be something that makes life easier for the customer, right? Um, but yeah, that, that, that's how I see it. Um, 
every experimentation before carrying out any experiment or so, I'm more like particular about the customer. So the customer in this sense, the end user or the person who is at the top, right? So uh, which would lead us into another conversation of who is actually the customer depending on the uh, kind of products you're building. But usually end of the day, it's more about the customer um, and also the business. Uh, customer first and the business. Great, thank you so much. Um, so much insight from Fabi. Um, before we move on, I would like to ask Wally if he wants to talk to us as well about experimentation. Okay, I'm oh, sorry, I came about the question exactly. I'll, I'll go again. I'll go again. I was saying, um, you know, part of the data driven product strategy that we see today involves a lot oh, yeah. of experimentation, right? So you know, how often do you make decisions based on, you know, some of the experiments you carry out? And do you have, like, frameworks you apply to or in carrying out those experiments? Okay. Um, I think for me, I would... So, so I think it, it, would, it should differ, right? Um, experimentation should differ based on the resources of the, of the team. And, um, I mean, ideally, ideally, you should carry out experimentation for almost all decisions you are making, ideally, right? So, for example, if you look at, I mean, if we, if we are very observant about our apps, or maybe Twitter, or, you know, that sometimes you would, I mean, that sometimes some people, I mean, on Twitter, some people will see Twitter circle before some other people, right? There were there certain product releases that go to some users, and then some people are always on Twitter asking, why don't I have this feature yet, right? And that's the result of experimentation, right? So that is, that is the team experimenting with a feature release, and pushing it to certain set of features, uh, sorry, certain set of certain set of users, and trying to see, um, trying to see the performance of that feature, um, and it could not, it may not necessarily have to be a feature. Sometimes it could be something smaller, right? It could be, it could be a button, it could be text, it could be like, it could be some some small copy. So, um, I would say um, ideally, especially perform for most. For anything, for anything you're doing, a lot of things, as as little as probably a copy, right? Um, but you know, a company like Twitter probably have the resources to do it for everything they're releasing of Google, right? Compared to like a startup in Nigeria, so um, a startup in Nigeria, for example, would want to. I mean, rather than defaulting to like a, an A/B test, which is the frameworks you're talking about, like an A/B test, for example. Uh, they, they want to default to something that I said, so right, which is organic development. That's the the expert person in the room will decide um, this is what it is, right? This is this is a feature that is going out. Uh, this is what we need to build, and that's that's fine to be. And that's usually the CEO. The CEO is as a vision sometimes, and that no matter how much data we use, sometimes like um, the vision and like certain heuristics might also trump data sometimes, right? Um, another thing that people do is is they don't care about the data, right? They just, it's, I mean, it's like a like an Aomeri approach, right? Let's launch without any data and let's see what happens, right? And a lot of people do that, right? Um, I mean, sometimes in Nigeria, we are like, what? like sometimes we question the existence of certain products because 
there are like a lot of other products there and they might be because they've not really thought of, thought through like how like the logic strategies the metrics that they're going to measure and then like even the market right um and looking like the market, the macroeconomic environment in general. Um, another, another thing that people tend to do is something called like a launch, launch and report, right? So, I mean, most, I, I, I mean, I, I see people doing just kind of like a pre and post analysis, right? So, I mean, after you launch something, then you now look at the metrics before and after, right? Um, which is fine if you don't have like ex, an ex, extensive data team or a large team. Um, I think the main issue with this is usually there is no control environment. So you're not, you're not testing against something, right? You're not testing against something. You're testing against the metric in itself, right? You're not testing, so you're not, you're not testing against a population, a different population. Um, but ideally, you should have like a control environment and you should have a, um, a, primary, a primary environment, right, where you are releasing the same feature to those and you see you see the sort of like the reaction of those users. So I'm sure Twitter, for example, will probably release a feature and then based on those selectors in, into like the control group and then into the primary group and then see how, and then use a metric to test how each of those users react to that feature and then they're able to make a decision. So like, um, so and as to your question is ideally, right, you want to do that for a lot of your the products or the features they're releasing. Um, but sometimes a lot of all these other techniques that we mentioned could also work um, where um, resources are. Great. Wow, this is going amazing. Thank you so much, guys, for your responses to those questions. Um, so this question is going to be, I'm not sure I want to direct this to anybody in particular. So if you know, between Falabi and Wally, anybody has some, something to say about it, then please shoot. Okay, so there's this popular saying, um, correlation does not imply causation, right? So, for example, you know, a correlation might be um, the increase in usage of a new functionality in a product, you know, um, with an increase in user retention. So we are saying that um, an increased usage in a certain feature is leading to increased user retention. You know, that's basically an assumption. So how then do you now validate? Because sometimes you look at the data and then you see that correlation, right? You can see that, okay, it's kind of like directly proportional. As this one increases, that one increases. But then you can't say correlation implies causation. So how then do you now test, you know, and validate that hypothesis that, okay, yeah, actually, this this actually is causing that. I hope I'm clear about the question. Okay, if I heard you clearly right, um, you're saying that um, the increase in a the report. Thing is echoing or something. I hope it's no longer echoing. Or hello. No, it's not echoing. Oh, okay, okay, cool. Yeah. So, if I heard it clearly, you're asking if the increase in um, the usage of a particular feature mm -hmm. 
if it actually drives uh, user retention. No, that's, that's just an example. You know, I'm not really specific to that case. I'm just saying, how do you... Okay, so for instance, you look at the data and then you realize that a particular feature kind of correlates. The increased usage in a particular feature correlates with an increase in user retention. But then you're just seeing that from the lens of data. But then you have to test it. You have to actually be sure that that increased usage in that feature is causing you know, the retention to rise as well. So how do you, how do you validate that? Because remember I said uh, correlation does not imply causation, right? So how then do you now test and say, okay, this is actually what is causing that? I hope, I hope okay. I'm helping you. Okay, so I think, Toby, I think what is, what is catching my head is the correlation. Um, yeah, exactly. But Mr. Ajibwe both taught us correlation and this thing together, so it's... <laughs> Is the cane that I'm remembering, the beating that we received that I'm remembering. I'm not really remembering. <laughs> okay, man. So I, I think to answer that question straight up, right? Um, to be fair and clear on it, I I believe you would. You do not really need to wait for the feature to completely be generally available before you know if it's impacting your um, your user retention. Why am I saying this? If you're going the approach of incremental release, that is, you release to a certain subset, then make improvements and all of that, you would have gotten some reasonable results, um, data, to be able to analyze. And then your customer journey or your customer um, sign-up process or thereabouts, they will typically sign up or on board or thereabouts before they even um, say they want to jump to something or thereabouts. So I feel looking at the user journey map or the user interaction map or um, customer life cycle, um, as the case might be for customers within that period, before and after you had rolled out the product would give you a better understanding of either uh, either the feature or whatever feature is what is increasing your retention. So take, for example, if your average monthly user base or user transaction count was 5,000 per month, and then during the process of experimentation, if you picked up the sample size of 100 users and you wrote out the feature and 90 out of 100 of them um, are pretty excited about it and decided to use it when it was even better, right? Um, continue the fact that they will probably want to make referrals if that particular feature is a not star or, or, or so, um, after you rolled out a product and you are now seeing um, five five thousand five hundred or six thousand or seven thousand, most definitely the feature that you rolled out is either a not star that is attracting people to come back to the product or an additional thing that is making them to give value or giving more value to them. So it, it just depends. But if I'm, if I would answer you, for you to be able to know, 
you'll probably be able to get that information if you are more about measuring, um, I think, which is something that is quite important. You can't measure what you can improve. Um, if you're not measuring it, you can improve it. So if there is analytics in place, which I think is very important, I think Wally will be able to speak more on that. If analytics um, is embedded into it that you're measuring even before you roll out or there about you're capturing every possible information, capturing all things that you like, you would be able to capture lots of things and know um, if it is or not. But it's, it's just depend. It depends. Great. Thank you so much, Valerie. Um, Wally, do you have something to say to that as well? Yeah, just say one or two things. Um, <laughs> our correlation and causation. Um, so, so typically correlation... Um, so causation is basically where, like, an action, like a, something causes something else, right? Like an action A results to an outcome, you know, yeah. outcome B, right? And that's causation. Now, correlation is um, if an action, you know, an action A has a sort of like a direct relationship, right, to action B, right? So does does action A and action B have a relationship, right? Um, and it's, it's very easy because I think the human mind, right, us as humans, we tend to ascribe, if we see something, because of something, something has happened, we tend to ascribe both of them as being, I guess, this uh, the cause and effect, right? You're saying this action causes this, of mm-hmm. which they may not necessarily happen that way, right? And we, we see it everywhere, like in real life, right? Like, you know, um, and there was a study actually back in the days where um, there was actually a direct relationship, right, between, um, I, I mean, between ice cream sales and homicide, right, in, in New York, in the U.S. Then, right, there was a direct relationship between ice cream sales. So, um, so the higher, I mean, when ice cream sales goes up, the um, homicide also goes up. Right? When ice cream sales goes down, homicide goes down. But I mean. Ideally, there shouldn't be any relationship, right? Uh, so, I mean, that is that is correlation. There's a correlation between there's a relationship between the increase in ice cream sales and homicide. But there is an underlying cause, right, which is now where causation comes in place. Um, but then sometimes you have to actually you not know, dig deeper to figure out causation. Um, so, in this instance, right, the the cause basically is like when it's more sunny, right, more people buy ice cream. But also when it's sunny, more people go out, right? We list to also homicide, right? So that was the correlation bit of things, right? Um, that's sorry, that was the causation. But I mean, two two different variables could actually be be leading, be be I mean, directly related, but then and be correlated, but then there's no causation. So now, how do we understand? How do we test for causation? Um, it's kind of like what we've sort of like explained earlier, which is it goes back to experimentation, right? Um, so typically, there are like two ways to think about action, um, and that's also what Abhisay has mentioned, right? You have to think about um, sometimes, you know, if it's product, you know, about product, right? You're thinking um, um, like yeah, A/B testing, A/B testing, A/B experiment could all could help you to understand causation. And for some of us here who have done 
uh, uh, like some form of research work, right? Remember, like hypothesis testing as well, right? Where there's a lot of hypothesis and then there's like a primary hypothesis, right? So it's like um, the primary hypothesis typically is your is your um, is what you're trying to disprove, right? And you're trying to you're trying to say um, basically you're not saying um, you know then you have to like run a test between the two. Um, Two variables, right? Independent variables and dependent variables, and then test for test for like then then run it through a test, hypothesis test. So those are like the two ways I've, I've known that people would tend to. Um, those are those are the two ways that people tend to. What's, what's the word now? Um, tend to go around like the correlation causation thing. Um, so yeah, I mean that's that's kind of what I like to say. Yeah. Thank, thank you so much, Wally. That made so much sense. <clears throat> All right. So um, we have a couple of more questions to go, but to ask that, I would hand over to my colleague, my co-host, Emmanuel Rugunshola. But before I do that, um, just to, as a means of reminder, for everyone listening to us right now, Product Tuesday is, is a growing community of professionals that are involved in the product development process. So these are product managers, designers, data analysts, data scientists, growth managers, product marketers, operations managers, software developers, product strategists, UX designers and researchers, and you know, this is basically endless. So if you're involved one way or the other in the product development life cycle, then please click in the link on the bio at Product Tuesdays and join the community. So you can go to that Twitter page right now at Product Tuesdays and click that link in the bio. You can also find Product Tuesdays as well on other social media platforms at Product Tuesdays. Also, um, if you feel stuck as a software developer and you don't know the next steps you should probably take, um, then Pipeline by Talent Cure, position to help you upskill for that next amazing job offer. Um, so head on to pipeline.talentqr.com and more. So over to you, Ogunshola Imano. Thanks, Toby. Um, it's been an interesting conversation. Um, it's like hearing the theory and the practical analysis at the same time. Yeah, just a quick reminder. We'll be opening up the space now for more people to come on board as speakers to ask their questions. I know Timo already requested earlier. Um, please, if you have any question you want to ask around the topic um, or you have um, some form of, of feedback or want to share a quick experience, please do so to either use the hashtag Product Tuesdays and we'll pin the question in this space, on the space rather, or you could just request to speak. So if you do not want to speak, if you're shy, you could just tweet hashtag Product Tuesdays and we'll pick it up and then pin it. Also quickly, before we open it up, as people as we wait on people to request. There's something that seems to be, how would I put it now? 
we are familiar with the e-commerce space and we see how there are a lot of entrants that have happened um, over the last 10 years. Um, going way back to maybe the, the days of people doing e-commerce on, on, on Blackberry, on BBM, and the likes, and then growing all the way to having um, the e-commerce stores for businesses and even platforms as we know today. So one thing, uh, one thing that is very tricky is data that you see coming through the usage of say said platform and data that is on the streets that is not necessarily like you're not necessarily translating that data because you don't have the data right so my question really is around how do you ensure that you are able to maximize both the market data and the data you're getting from your users. So I don't know if uh, Abhishek wants to go first. Okay. Yeah, um, so just one question on that. When you say the data you're getting from your customers, what, what data specifically? I understand the other part, but part of you saying the data from customers. Yeah, sure. So data from customers in two folds. First, usage of your product or your platform, and then maybe from surveys that are done online. Like basically just all of that online conversation that is coming from, that is entering some form of, uh, basically entering your system. From sign up to product usage to maybe run surveys and all of that, and then okay, and basically the other data that you don't have access to that is market data that is out there. Okay, so th th that's the um, for lack of a better words, I don't want to say it's a tricky question. Tricky in the sense that I would like to answer that question without really mentioning some data uh, that are proprietary or thereabouts in that regard. So, uh, but the, the, the summary to it is this, right? The simple answer to it is this. Um, we're in a very interesting or interesting continent, let me use that word. And the way customers of typical e-market um e-platforms operate either e-shops or whatever it is or they're about marketplaces or operates is kind of very interesting um i i know that a number of um, operators in that space made several approaches or several um applied sense when they were making entrance into the market beats promos or incentives or thereabouts but what really makes it makes the data that is seen on the back end quite different from what is permissible or what is available on the streets 
it was the, for lack of a better word, um, the customers in this particular segment have an interesting um, customer behavior, for lack of a better word. Um, they have a very co interesting customer behavior in terms of trying as much as possible to optimize for more income or more revenue or thereabouts. And I, I could state some examples. Um, a particular shop owner can decide to have four to five stores or four to five accounts on a e-commerce platform, typically for the purpose of domination, right? If a particular good costs 5,000 naira, um, because it's putting it on the market on, on the platform, um, it could put it for 5,500 or 6,000. And after adding the markup or thereabouts, it could be displayed for 6,500. Because he wants to um, quote and unquote drive traffic, drive traffic and play the monopoly game for that particular platform. It could decide to increase all the other prices and just have one store, one of his accounts, have a cheaper price, right? Everybody will go to different price store, uh, different profiles that he has created. You see all the goods he has listed. Oh, the prices look exorbitant. You can even stop that he's doing a promo and slash it from 10,000 and just put 6,500 beside it, which is part of the psychology and all of that. And still push back to his own main account or to one paper. On the days, should I say, you might think that you're having more signups or more um, customers being onboarded on your platform and things of that nature, whereas in reality, it's quite different. So things like that are bound to happen, um, most especially within this our own um, territory within our our domain. But what I usually advise um, people who work in this space is to never ever lose touch with what is happening on the market or what is happening in the field. Um, I recall working in some of these spaces or thereabouts and it, it was quite interesting when you go out on the field, when you see what is actually happening, um, what looking at it vis-a-vis -vis what you had intentions for versus how customers want to use it or how customers are using it uh, and things of that nature. And it, it really helps a PM or any product personalities that is building that product, be it even the developers or or thereabouts, to really understand how these people think or how, how, they, how they tend to view things. So it's kind of like a very interesting um, thing. Yes, there might be disparities, there might be different data, it might, it might look as if um, abracadabra is done on one data while the other one, things are happening. Part of it could be a case where the users, the way they, are, they view things is different. Um, so take for example, if you are setting up a incentive to have more people sign up, let's say you're asking them that once they sign up, the usual commission you usually charge or add on top, you're going to slash it out or you have zero 
commission, and then if, if they can make 1,000, uh, 100,000 naira of sales or 200,000 or 1 million naira worth of sales within the first week when they join the platform, you are going to give them a bonus of thereabouts. So a typical person who has a store, even if he has created an account before, typically want to, a, a normal user would want to create another account and benefit from it, right? On one side, it would push his customers to go and place order or buy from his platform or advertise or thereabouts. But on the side of the business, they are paying the customer who had already been acquired, even though he's using different credentials, different whatever it is to be onboarded on the system. Though there are ways around it to curb such things, which would also cost you money, like any of these verification services or so would cost you money as well. But it's just the dynamics of it. Um, I remember there was a um, there was a manufacturer who um, was trying to push one of their goods, uh, a number of their goods, uh, a number of their SKUs, a number of their goods um, across. And uh, one of the incentives they were trying to push was to reward um, what's it called? Was to reward agents who work with them or distributors who work with them if they sell certain cartons. Lo and behold, what did some people do? They gathered themselves together in groups and they were, should I say, they created a circle. Um, they created a circle of that product being purchased. They buy from, the go place other from the uh, the manufacturer provides to the distributors, and then some agents or thereabouts who are also working with, working for the um, distributor would come and buy those goods off the shelf, and they'll be able to show it on record that, yes, they bought the goods and all of that, and then the company gives them the reward um, of the of the sales they have made based on the targets they have set. And then thereafter, they do it over and over again. And because the way supply chain works, sometimes you make payments, uh, you don't really make cash payments, you you give some things out on credits. Um, they come back and tell you, okay, um, the goods have not, uh, the cash has not come in or something, something, give you one story. Whereas you're already giving them the incentive over there. But at the end of the day, you might find out that, um, actually in that particular case, we found out that the manufacturer's goods was not really pushed as much as they wanted. They wasted lots of money in terms of trying to provide incentives um, to have people to sell their goods, um, typically based on what they wanted because they just wanted to cash, um, cash out from that particular system. So it's it's a very interesting um, space to thinking that happens in that space, right? but it's just the way it is. Thank you, I'm sorry, quite you know, as a peer myself, I could identify with some of the things you just mentioned and how customers, you know, the behavior and how they react to promos and some incentives, right, and all of that, especially in these markets that we're in, which is, um, I won't mention any country in particular, but in the African, African market space at the continent. Yeah, well, it, 
do you have um, anything you would like to add or, or say about the current conversation? Um, I think I think I'll be saying as a job. Um, also, I don't know. I feel like it's really hard for you to. It's it's really hard for you to. I mean, I mean, I'm talking about like um, having having control of, I guess, data and information internally and externally, right? <laughs> I feel like any company that is able to crack that, you know, having like. For example, what your competitors are doing, um, what price changes across like different markets and stuff like that. I mean, that's that, that's what like companies are paying sort of like a lot of money for. Um, so it's I, I think I think it's it's really really I, like I said I'm sorry I said it all and it's it's a it's a is a top order is a big task for you to for companies to do and then I think that's what I mean there are a lot of companies these days doing like things around like um media monitoring and uh, competitors competitors uh, competitor monitoring and stuff like that so yeah um I mean that's just my that's all I all I think about that okay thank you Wally um just to remind us if you have any question that you want to ask on this space, uh, today we're talking about data-driven product development process, how data impacts product development. Um, I'm sure there are a couple of things that have been said. Uh, thank you, obviously. Thank you, Wally, for some of the insight the things you've shared. Um, show some some new PMs on this space, and then business people that are here are probably taking notes and all of that. But quickly, there's something about um, funnels. And a lot of, um, how will I put this now? Let me frame it properly. So funnels are key, and they are very useful to tracking. But in your own opinion, how important are funnels in tracking a product's health? I think I'll just start with Wally. Um, yeah, definitely. Like product funnel. Um, typically, I, I I like to think of funnel as um. Uh, so for for context, funnel funnel is kind of like a. When you think it right, and you see you turn it up. When you think of a pyramid, a triangle, and you turn it upside down, right? That's a funnel, right? You're looking at where users are. You're looking at the user journey. Like I use it as a journey into your product, right? From one stage to the other. Um, and and I think funnels are important at you know most. Uh, I mean, at every stage of a business, but more importantly, during during the onboarding process, right? Um, during the onboarding, you want to know how users are, uh, how users are joining to the product, and then where like churn is happening, and where you could optimize, um, where you could where you could like introduce optimization. And optimization could be could be a simple copy change. You UI uh, typically it's usually like a feature change or U, uh, UI UX feature, right? Um, why why do we why why do we Users are dropping off from this page, for example. Should we move it to this? Should we move this this request to this other page? Um, 
And that's the funny thing is that I see something um, funny and funny analysis are still things that is still one of the more important things in the business because you want to know where, you, where you're dropping off users, where users are churning from. And and the interesting part is users may not churn because they don't like your products, but they're churning because uh, you're just making it hard for them to use it, right? So um, at every point in time, you actually need to introduce it. A funnel, just a funnel analysis, nowhere. And like some, also like churn analysis as well, nowhere users are dropping out from so that you could optimize and then you can know what to do at that stage. So it could be a design problem, it could be a product problem, it could be a copy problem. And but inside, you're not able to move forward. So yeah, that's, that's what I think about trying, uh, sorry, about funnel elements. Yeah, thank you, Wally. Uh, I'll be over to you. I would like to take on this. Okay. Um, I kind of have a very, uh, for lack of a better word, a sort of style of of looking at this, um, but I think I've seen this work from um, the likes of Microsoft, um, and I think it's something that I still want to experiment more with, is more around looking at that funnel approach just as Wally has said, but using a sales approach to it. Um, like a salesperson trying to sell stuff. Um, you move people across stages. You can have, have it in carbon or thereabouts. And then group, group all of that into the different verticals or pillars, as the case might be. You, you unwrap the funnel. Um, I, I picture it as a case of using paper to create the funnel just like in elementary school or or primary school or thereabout when you're trying to make a funnel and then you unwrap it and then have it into different verticals and um, just as a salesperson would do um, from their process from their leads reach out to the persons um, feedback from the person before they move them to the next destiny or just leave them there and back to them later on periodically or just have, have them to a mailing list and adding them with messages, emails and the likes till they convert one day or they forward it to somebody, right? Um, while those who are using your product or thereabouts, um, based on the usage of every other person, um, other users or so, you can come up with recommendations or stuff that are specific to certain users just for them to see more value from the product um, perspective or thereabouts um, and all. But typically just having from down from those who have just clicked on sign up page who have not filled the form down to a customer who had used the product and has gone absent or thereabouts. After you're done, yeah, your typical phone analysis and all of that, then like go all in with them, like implementing a sales kind of approach, having um, company comes and the likes done with them on a regular basis that converts communications 
that are targeted at them at the various stages in which they might be, just to have them convert is quite very critical as well. Um, allowing, having like an open, open approach in terms of allowing your customers to give you feedback or there about, um, I don't want to mention him, but one of the companies where I worked, um, whenever we sent out newsletters or the likes, <clears throat> we're sending out newsletters to, uh, let's say we are sending out newsletters to 2 million customers. Um, from the 2 million customers, um, just 10,000 or Three or, or six thousand or five thousand would open the emails. From the five thousand or so that opened that emails, at least a thousand five hundred would respond with bad reports, right? Would typically respond with bad reports or just give some feedback, and they're majorly negative or things that they didn't like about the products or thereabouts. That for me is a good place to start in terms of when you're thinking of product improvement. Um, Though, so, however, in that particular scenario, it was, also, it was also discovered after getting those feedback that the support mechanism was not adequate, wasn't, wasn't um, for lack of a better word, wasn't operational or efficient, right? Uh, we're able to get all of that from that. So uh, if I'm just to summarize it, um, I think... Yes, after doing the analysis of the like, um, thinking of things through, thinking things through like a salesperson um, would also help to have you increase or see an improvement in your retention number. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Abhishek. Thanks, Wally. This uh, insightful um, responses. Um, once again, this is Product Tuesdays and it's a growing community. If you would like to, if you have any question you would like to ask any of our speakers, or you have um, one or two comments you would like to pass, please do well to request on your on your mobile device. You could just basically click on the request button, and we'll bring you up and to ask you a question. To just um, for those who are shy and would not like to come up to actions. You could basically tweet um, your question and use the hashtag Product Tuesdays or just tweet out Product Tuesdays. And we will pin your question to this space and then ask um, our speakers. Uh, I can see a couple of um, OGs, PMs, and all of that in the space. Um, shout out to you guys. Um, Thanks for being part of the community. So I would like to check in again and with with this question actually. It's a two-faced question. Um, in terms of the first part is really about stakeholder management. Um, people that know me know that I like to like get people's feedback around how to manage stakeholders. So the first part of the question is around if you're working with a group of people or a startup or a business that they don't believe in data-driven processes, right? Allowing data determine 
what the roadmap should look like, what you should be working on for the customer, and all of that. I remember Abisho had mentioned um, <laughs> using the OGA approach and all of that. Like basically, how what are those things that you would advise or you would tell that PM, that data scientist, that business analyst, or that um, business dev listening to us right now to do to position or to better for lack present present how this is very key and important for development of a product so that's the first part i'll come back to ask the second part so i um i'll go first with abisway okay uh that uh okay so that question is is quite interesting um you know there's a part that says that uh we need to pick our battles but however you can concede a defeat for a battle have it in mind that your greater the greater aim or objective you have at mind is the war not not just the battle at hand so first and foremost take good management i think you want to first and foremost understand the environment where you are in the organization where you are in and also your position or your level in that organization or whatever it is for a for a junior pm or a new pm or thereabouts i'll typically say you should try as much as possible to communicate as much as possible with your line manager, be it your senior PM or however it is. And you should also be able to get hints and insights from the person. I think a senior PM would appreciate a PM, a junior PM that has taken time out to understand the product and also what the business is trying to achieve and also looking at the data, right? Uh, looking at the data that has been um, that has been captured, um, seen, at trying to interpret, and also dig deep into things that are happening, right? Because it will help a lot before you say you want to start doing some improvement or something or there. But it's also it's always good to understand the product what has been built, what what um, made them this way. If there are documentations available, glory be to God. Um, have them review it, have them go over it, and all of that. But that said and done, uh, that can work for a junior PM um, who would most likely have like a shield or someone, uh, a senior PM to always run things through and all of that. But in, in general, in general, right, it, it's always a case of you need to actually understand the organization where you're working. Also try as much as possible to read the body language in the room. Um, be it within the organization or thereabout, and identify what is of interest at each point in time and use in your own favor or using that that uh, that particular thing that you're looking at for using it in your own favor. So take, for example, if you are in a startup that is in an hyper growth phase, um, more, more of what they're interested in is increasing their numbers, like seeing their numbers, seeing their numbers go up because most likely they are raising or thereabouts and they are trying to make a justification for, for all that it is to it when they're trying to raise. Everything that you're saying, if it's not having to say that this 
what we are doing, X and Y that we are going to do is to reduce our number in terms of sign-ups or transactions or thereabouts, you would have everybody's attention, most especially the guy at the top. Don't forget, um, in some cases, you would have to learn how to work around your guard driven framework, but it is just one of the tips you can actually apply. Understand what position the organization is in. So is it a case whereby they're in hyper growth if it's a startup, if it's a regular business, um, is it that um, your next salary or the bonus at December cannot be paid if some numbers are not ticked, right? You definitely need to know that. You need to understand what, what exactly is the CEO or your manager or your line manager or your product lead or head of product or director of product so that is really gone in for and you can now use that um, for lack of a better word use that persuasively to tell the story so take for example if the number of um, transaction count transaction count and transaction volume if it's decreasing based on the fact that your payment partners are delaying, right? Your payment partners are not fulfilling requests as soon as they is hitting their end point, right? And because you know that there are some very close related, knitted or deep down rooted agreements with the payment partners, with your boss or maybe it's a relative to your or girl or whatever it is and stuff like that and you want to present the case. You already know that if you present it the way it is barely, it's dead on arrival. But however, if you go of, you guys are in an upper growth phase. If you go the route of, oh, boss, um, we're currently ex- we're currently seeing a decline in the number of transactions, and after you had spoken with customers, they are complaining that they are request of their transactions are not being fulfilled on time. It's taking, if it's actually taking some hours, you would say it's taking a while, right? It's actually taking a while. And you've also seen this affect your um, numbers, right? That would make anybody want to think that, okay, what is happening? So you do not need to even say the solution immediately. You do not even need to say, oh, it is the payment partner that we're having or the payment window thereabout. You would take them on a journey and lead them towards they identifying the problem. Don't forget you have identified the problem before, but you do not need to say it. Um, having them lead them on a journey to do a discovery. And then when they discover that, oh, is the payment partner you guys are using that is causing the delay or making your numbers go down, don't forget you've established it in your mind that, oh, this payment delay that we're having is causing us numbers, beats, number of volumes of transactions and transaction count is also affecting our new sign-ups, they would automatically be the one to suggest themselves that we need to have alternatives rather than you coming forth and saying that, oh, we need alternatives or there. But though it's, that's the ideal thing to do, but you need to read the room. You need to understand your organization. You need to understand what is of priority um, at that point in time. I think that is how you would be influential and actually be seen to be more valuable to the team. Um, yeah, that's, that's uh, I think that's, that's it from my side. Yeah, thanks, Abisay. Um, thanks for the analysis and the breakdown quite insightful. Yeah, Wally, I, I would like you to also answer the same question, but thinking about um, data-oriented people that are in this space, either data analysts or data scientists, that are seeing things you are, you are 
based on maybe the models you have and you're seeing certain things and then you're working in an organization or in a team that they're not, they love the idea of having data scientists and having everything, but they don't necessarily listen to what the data scientists have to say. For those in that space, what would be your advice and what would be your take in terms of things to do? Okay. Um, so I feel like, I feel like there are two questions. Um, so first is like, how do you like manage stakeholders as a as a data professional, right? Um, and then how do you get? To be honest, if if you work if your company if you're working in a company that's claims to be data data driven, right? But I mean, there is like no anyone is listening to. I mean, there's no culture data driven culture. Then I, I don't think there's any point. There's not much you can do because um, because I I feel like the data culture comes is more top down driven than bottom up, right? You can't you can't drive an analysis to the top if it's not coming like top down, right? Um, and there needs to be the need from like the, the core culture of the company in itself, right? To to be more data driven. But I think there's some things that I would, I mean, as someone who I've also been in that case where I have to add some money stakeholders, I mean, these are some of the things I would, I would you know, I would do. Um, so the first thing I'd like to do is I'd like to turn every request into a dialogue, right? So so typically, it's, and, and, and this happens with a lot of product people where they come and say, um, can we do this thing? You know, can we... Um, I mean, it could be something as small as can we um, can we perform some kind of experimentation, right? Um, can we experiment with removing, you know, something something from the sign up page, right? Uh, or it could be as big as I think we think, you know, relation system would 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 we need we need to, we need to do some machine learning, deep learning type thing in this thing, right? So sometimes, um, I mean, they have the right idea, but you also need to manage it because they are they're coming from a place of, I guess, from the product bit of things. So you need to first turn that request into a dialogue. So you need to first ask them what's the goal that they're trying to achieve and try to try to lead them, you know, to something that is more desirable, right? Um, and so sometimes, for example, if you are saying, um, can we, can we, um, if some, if a PM says, you know, can we do some experimentation and we're removing something from the sign-up page, right? I mean, I feel like from a dialogue, we could do something less, less tasking as that. We could do, for example, a funnel analysis, which is like, okay, do we actually know that, you know, users are, do we actually need to do that or we just need to do like a funnel analysis? Um, um, another thing, um, aside, you know, turning requests into dialogue, another thing that I tend to do is, you know, tend to, you know, say no a lot, right? Um, and, and that is, I mean, from people in the company, you know, a lot of people tend to have like several requests on, okay, this is what the data function should be, and this is what the data, and sometimes the data function is usually like a more, you know, is really get it to sometimes it's support function, right? And um, saying no a lot would make people, I mean, I mean, and I mean, push, pushing back on some of the ideas, right? So saying, you know what, I think, I think this should not be, this is not needed, right? This is not an analysis, this is not a program that is needed because we are focusing on this. And usually, yeah, you're usually, um, you're saying no along with the, the team or the company, right? That, you know, this is our focus for this quarter, this focus for this, um, for this half of the year. And then we are not focusing on, you know, that request. Um, and, some, and also, some requests can be just, you know, I need this as a spreadsheet, but sometimes it's about the culture that you're trying to, 
imbibing their teammates as well, where um, they need to see sort of like, they need to see it from the more sort of like company top-down um, point of view. In the case where you are, you decide to go along with the project, right? Some uh, that's, that's something something I like to call like the minimum viable analysis, right? What's the what's the most basic thing you need to do to prove that this thing might work or not? Because sometimes, um, as a data professional, anything could happen. There might be what they're asking for. There might be no data, um, and it seems also experiment driven, right? Um, your experiment may be wrong, right? Um, so you need to create like the most basic thing that you need to do. It could be a small analysis and dashboard. It could be um, in a cell sheet, but create something that is super small that you could use to prototype. You know, in, in product development, it's called MVP, right? You want to create like the most basic thing first so that people could, could pick it back up piggyback off it um oh yeah so i mean there are also other things that you need to do as well right um, um but i think those are, those are sort of like the core things yeah also communication right like communicate more often um that's something that that i realized that is very important so for example if you're doing something with a different team uh, and the, the data function requires you to work with different team teams right whether it's even the engineering team the product team growth you know whatever um but you need to just communicate expectations, right? Um, this is where we are. This is where we are going to. This is, this is what is possible. Because a lot of times, they don't know what is possible. Uh, sometimes someone wants something really grandiose, right? Meanwhile, something very basic could achieve it. Someone wants, a, someone wants like a, um, someone wants a, a recommend, recommender system where something very basic could do it, right? And it may not also align with it the growth and the size of your team as well. There are some data science teams that are super small and then you could not, you cannot take on such projects. You also need to communicate that. Um, also, um, you also need to be very big on um, documentation and like visibility, right? So sometimes when you do some kind of, and, and I, this is where I realized that a lot of data professionals are, tend to struggle because you do a lot of work on the side and away from like the core business goals and then nobody knows what you've done because they are not you've done things for different people who are in there. So you need to create like a, a lot of either documentation, share your work with people so that you can be can visit what you are doing. And then people know sort of like where you are and you're able to manage your expectations. So yeah that's that's what I think. Yeah thanks Wally. Um Thanks for providing those insights. Uh, Toby, over to you. All right. Just to remind us again, um, if you're stuck as a software developer and you don't know the next steps, pipeline by Talent QL, this position will help you up for that next amazing job offer. So head on to pipeline.talentqr.com to learn more. Um, so, so back to questions now. Um, there, there are some OGs that I actually want to ask some questions. I, I can see the big boss Chilas right there. And I don't know if Chilas would like to come on the space. Uh, okay, let me see if we can bring him up. Because I would like to get his take on how what he thinks about web and current data. So I uh, I get much of it, but I think what you were asking is how we design products, um, given that we have like a lot of data, um, the telco space, right? Yes, I would like to get your take on how it goes to your conversation and the work 
doing, what you should do, and what you've seen for the years in the development process. Yes. Okay. Um, okay. So, first of all, um, shout out to Lee and um, for Labs. Uh, Emmanuel, uh, I'm so happy meeting you guys here. Uh, I met three of you like in different stages of my life, which is kind of interesting. So, yeah, happy to happy to be here. This is the first time I'm speaking on this space. Um, so, to the question, right? Um, it's so in 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 telco or like. I would say it's maybe like it's common in my space, right? Because we, we particularly have um, enough data to to spin out particles, right? Whether fintech, um, designing new plans, and all of that. And so the the, the important so data is quite it's it's kind of compulsory, really. Um, you don't you you don't want to be presenting to a board or you're presenting to the to. Um, execs or C levels, and then you are you are not giving um, providing more inform information on how that particular uh, how that particular product is going to convert into revenue, right? Um, so let me give an example, right? Um, an example would be how let's say targeting, right? You want to give, you want to design for a particular, you want to design certain types of um, products to target um, um, certain demographics, right? Um, so there could be plans, for example, that you can see, or you can there can be plans that are directed out um, at a particular type of demography, right? We have seen that a lot of people use Facebook. Um, so what would be the justification? What, what kind of justification would you need, right, to create like a plan for people who use Facebook? Now, um, we see a lot of Facebook tra um, traffic, right? But not all of those Facebook traffic might be coming from a phone, a smartphone, right? Um, that's one thing. So you, you, you need to now start narrowing down to the capabilities of a device that that particular... Um, that they, so we now we know that um, in the past one month, um, let's say three million devices access Facebook. Typically, it's more than that. Um, you, you could have up to like hundred million devices accessing Facebook actually. Uh, but just one example is that three million devices access Facebook, right? So now, what are the capabilities of these devices that can access Facebook, and how much data are they um, consuming? So when you narrow down that data, next out of that three million devices, um, there, are, there are devices who there are like smartphone devices because this is where your revenue is going to come from. Those smartphones, not necessarily from computers, and this and this. You want you want um, that if anybody is going to be using that particular smartphone, um, that particular Facebook plan, that they are using it right. You don't want to give it to somebody who is using a computer that might not use it because that's that's where you're getting your income. So you say, okay, maybe 100,000 um, mobile devices, SIM enabled devices, are accessing Facebook in the month, right? Now you want to be able to do um, pricing. Now let's say we want to narrow down to how much of um, pricing, right? If you are determining what, um, because we have something called a service class. Service class is what you use to put customers into or customer credit into certain buckets. So I can say empty gig is for a certain service class. So we want to determine 
know that's that's um, amount of data or that amount or what what best or what amount of data is best allocated for that particular phase that we want people to access. Now, what is the average consumption of a user using mobile devices and uh, accessing Facebook, right? Um, and, and this this typically can go from anywhere between it can go from anywhere in a day. Um, so in in a, in a typical day, it can go anywhere from between five MB. Somebody who just got maybe like a bending notification or a picture or just um, replying comments on Facebook. Um, so maybe around 100 MB, right? Or it could be higher, right? I'm just giving a rough example. And the kind of devices, right? Um, you have devices that are like your um, smart feature phone devices, right? You now have smartphone devices that are fully capable, right? They are fully capable of accessing Facebook. Now, um, now, which now, in fact, if you want to now be able to say, okay, how do I now make sure that it is just that Facebook that people are able to access? Because if you look at smart faces, they're they're like constantly in sync with. But I'm just trying to explain how data is being narrowed down to determine a bunch of all these things, all these small, small details, right? Uh, so you look at the, um, the kind of the devices that access Facebook. You want to make sure that the minimum possible can access um, Facebook, right? And the minimum possible device is probably like a smart feature phone or a smart uh, or a feature phone. There are feature phones that have browser capabilities. So you want to be sure that the feature of phone um, that only you know Facebook has so many links, um, um, so many um, links that they use, especially for CDNs, and uh, maybe you don't even want, um, and, and you know some of those CDN links uh, are also accessible through Instagram, right? Uh, it means that Instagram might be kind of enabled by the time you enable Facebook. Right, so which is kind of tricky. So you have to start narrowing down all these small, 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 small integrity um, in in designing that particular product, right? And and it's also determining the amount of data they are going to give and the and the pricing, how much people are willing to spend to use um, Facebook. Now, if I open Facebook and let's say the average amount of spend by spent by customers, right? is um, the average amount spent on, by customers on Facebook um, after you look at the amount of data they bought and, and maybe it's around um, 500 Naira, right? This is the amount out of all their um, 4,000 Naira data, maybe that they spend on Facebook in a month is 500. Now, you now look at people who don't buy so much data, right? You know, there's a range. This is the average now. There's a range. There's now the amount that the people who barely buy anything, right? Um, maybe they buy one gig of data. Um, and that one gig of data is practically only for, uh, and, they, and they use maybe about 40% of it for Facebook. So looking at this type of, these types of customer rights and, and the amount of time they spend on Facebook, the amount of money that they spend, um, they spend, um, like when you convert the data into money, you, you can determine the amount of money that goes into um, Facebook, right? 
So that's that's how um, pricing basically is determined, right? You now say, okay, um, for people, if you if you give this out at a low cost, let's say the average is five hundred. The people who don't spend so much on literally and now they want to spend money um, just to buy, and you think they would be willing to buy like a bundle, maybe percent of that time um, on Facebook, even though there's only one gig data they buy. So either one gig for one thousand naira, and it is and and that is four hundred naira that they have spent on 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 Facebook, right? That is four hundred naira. So if you want to say you want to, if you want to say, okay, if I want, I'm going to sell the Facebook bundle for two hundred naira, right? The people who buy who barely spend their time on Facebook or the other customers um, or the or the other customers who are probably going to be using this particular service, will that with that um with the with the overall right um the high spenders basically will they be able to cover for this difference just because you want to make sure that people are using data or if they are not going to cover for the difference this is generally this might not be a facebook scenario it might be an office scenario and you're looking at okay if i reduce the cost to say 200 naira for facebook for one month and you look at the total data and the total data they are likely going to consume just using facebook do you want to cut it, um, uh, people who are going to be the high spenders spending so much on data, will they be able to, with the money, uh, the consumption from it, be able to cover for the costs that we, that we might likely lose or gain you get? So I, I, I don't know if I've been able to give like a rough... <laughs> A rough idea of what goes into the thought process, right? Uh, of trying to determine um, of using data basically to design a, a particular product. So, what, because it's because the space I sit in, I, I manage emerging technologies, and, and I basically do not just um, product management, but also um, product development in a way, and also research and development. So, a lot of all these things, um, I don't do most of it anyway. But you have to work with the marketing team, enterprise business team to get all of this data and narrow it down. And you also need to have an idea of how to um, how this data gives you exactly what you want. So this is practical. This is um, practicality, basically. And I guess. <laughs> but yeah, um, so I've given you how uh, I've just explained how we use to design with how we determine. Um, um, what kind of product to design in this case Facebook how, many, how how much time people spend on a particular social network for example can determine whether we want to create a bundle for such um, and again how to determine pricing and all of this goes into because this is a project product management space and not necessarily a product ownership space but I, I usually see like a, a clear difference in both of them um, so yeah so it, it, I mean the, the entire life cycle is what I just tried to explain, how data comes from the beginning to the end. Uh, uh, thank you, I guess. Thank you so much, Chilas. That gave us a lot to think about, to be honest. And it's great connecting with you again. Yeah, yeah. we should be catching up. It's been a while. All right, so thank you, everyone, for joining. Um, a few things before we leave. Um, for everyone listening to us right now, like we said, Product Tuesdays is a very great community professionals that are involved in product development process. So product managers, designers, data analysts, data scientists, growth managers, product marketers, operations managers, and you know the list is endless basically. So if you're involved in one way or the other in that entire life cycle, please click the link in the bio at Product Tuesdays and join the community. So you can also go to the Twitter page 
add Product Tuesdays and click that link in the bio. You can find Product Tuesdays as well on other social media platforms at Product Tuesdays. Also, if you feel stuck as a software developer, you don't know the next steps to take. Pipeline by Talent Cure is positioned to help you upskill for that next amazing job offer. So head on to PipelineTalentCure.com to learn more. So guys, till next Tuesday, we'll be discussing an interesting topic. Stay hungry and follow at Product Tuesdays. Bye for now.